Welcome to Full Disclosure. Jim Leach here with you back after a few days off and really trying to get back in the loop and no better way to do that than to check in with David Grising, President and CEO of the Better Government Association, to get the latest on what's been happening at the State House and around the state in terms of how government is interacting with and uh, affecting you. And so, David Grising, thank you for being here to help me get back into the loop on things as we uh, spoke last Last week, we were expecting to have a lot to talk about today with a green energy bill that was to have been acted on by the Senate yesterday, the House today. Uh, instead, we're all left scratching our heads wondering where do we go from here as that bill uh, has uh, stalled out, at least for the moment. Well, thanks, uh, Jim. Good to be with you. Good to have you back. Um, yeah, it, this has really been an unexpected turn of events. And uh, the Republicans who are criticizing uh, the Democrats for last-minute legislation, which has been their habit for years, uh, I think have a point in this case. Uh, the uh, omnibus energy bill still is not a law, um, uh, or not even close to being one yet. The Senate is disbanding later today, uh, apparently without reaching an agreement on this bill, the, pur pur <clears throat> the purpose of which is to put Illinois uh, on a path toward a carbon-free future, and in the more immediate term, to keep uh, Commonwealth Edison from shutting down at least two nuclear plants. And it looks like, like right now, ComEd is determined to go ahead and do that uh, with its two plants, the Byron and Dresden nuke plants. And so the, the move toward a clean energy future, if that were to happen, uh, would be set back considerably. So many competing interests in this. You have coal-fired power plants, including the one operated by Springfield City Water, Light, and Power, that were desperate to get more time. So they tried to give them a little more time. Then natural gas wants a, a similar deal. Uh, that is problematic for the environmentalists, but appeasing the environmentalists then means that organized labor is upset about the jobs that may be lost. And you just have to wonder, uh, with all these different constituencies and, and all of them with some level of power uh, in the state house and level of influence, how do you possibly work out a deal uh, that gets uh, enough people satisfied to get the, the votes on the board to get it passed? It seems pretty intractable right now. Well, you know what? When there are that many moving parts, one way to look at it is, as you just described it, a different way to look at it is there's a lot of moving parts. There's got to be room for compromise. And if you look at, for example, what Commonwealth Edison has steadily gotten more money uh, for uh, a, essentially a bailout of its nuke plants, uh, ComEd actually, from what we know, is is okay with uh, with they, where they are um, on the bill. It's it's the other groups that you mentioned that aren't quite ready. And you're right, the uh, the Springfield power plant, and then of course the huge Prairie State power plant, which also involves uh, communities across the state that are uh, bondholders in that huge coal-fired plants, one of the biggest polluters in the nation. So that those are some of the complicating factors. And the one that wasn't expected was um, or was really over, overlooked in all the focus on the, the, the Prairie State and Springfield situations was the, um, the, the question about natural gas uh, being uh, phased out as well. And that seems to have been the hitch that sort of kept this thing from happening at the last minute. Uh, Governor Pritzker seems confident that this will still happen. Don Harmon uh, seems confident this will still happen. But uh, it, it does appear that 
the, the neither one of those was able to get to an agree. I mean, it, it, it's obvious neither one of those was able to get to an agreement in time for before the Senate was set to uh, uh, disband later on today. One thing we know for sure is that nothing is ever really dead at the state house until the uh, final adjournment sine die, as they say. Uh, while the legislature still can be brought back to Springfield, there is still a chance for uh, this bill to uh, resurface. The House is in session today and may take up some version of this and then throw the ball back in the Senate's court. Nobody really knows for sure. Uh, but obviously, uh, un until uh, the legislative session completely ends at the end of the two-year cycle, a, a piece of legislation can always be brought back. It frequently is, and uh, and you never know what's going to wind up in it until we actually see it on the printed page. Uh, similarly, just when we it, thought the uh, Jim, oh, it, yes, it's please. Just, it's worth it's worth noting. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, it's worth noting that Commonwealth Edison is trying to turn the screws a little bit here. They've got seven hundred million dollars worth of ratepayer subsidies on the table now to try to keep those two nuclear plants going. It used to be three nuclear plants and may yet be as as things will turn out. Um, and and so they have, uh, you know, they've issued a statement saying, hey, we're going to move ahead with decommissioning these plants if nothing happens. And so they're trying to apply the pressure because that's a pretty rich deal that they have going right now. And uh, they they really want to see that happen. So uh, the politics on this continues. Yeah. And uh, as we talked about uh, frequently in recent weeks, the irony of uh, Exelon and Commonwealth Edison still being able to flex that kind of muscle, even after they've been implicated in a huge bribery scandal that has already caught up a lot of heavy hitters at the Capitol and may yet uh, land the, uh, the biggest fish of all, the former House Speaker, Mike Madigan. Uh, and with all of that, you might think that Exelon would be laying low a little bit and not <laughs> asserting itself quite so much. It's just not their style. And uh, and they continue to be able to uh, throw their weight around quite a bit. They don't have a deal in hand yet. Uh, but David, as, uh, as you know, I think that's going to be a, a pretty a big bargaining chip and a big incentive to get lawmakers back to the table uh, because those who are more focused on the environmental side need those nuke plants to be able to meet green energy goals. Uh, and then you have a lot of other Others who are just concerned about the jobs and the economic impact uh, of those plants, and they want to keep them going there as well. And so that gives Exelon a, a whole lot of leverage in this ongoing discussion. Absolutely, and you're right. The uh, everybody's sort of looking aside, uh, not not uh, sort of intentionally ignoring the fact that uh, Commonwealth Edison was in the midst is in the midst of this huge uh, public corruption scandal. But uh, still, we still have these nuclear plants in the state, and ComEd still has significant clout uh, in Springfield and across the state. David, as you noted, uh, one of the reasons we're in this situation right now is because uh, these bills come together at the last minute, and there were major revamps being done on this one uh, even yesterday morning ahead of this uh, intended vote in the Senate that didn't ultimately happen. Uh, and when you have uh, things that are put together that hastily that last minute, unexpected things can happen. We found that out this week as well with the state budget. Well, yes, uh, unexpected things happen in the state budget. This is a huge embarrassment, really, for the legislature and for the governor. 
the governor has had to issue an amendatory veto of the $42 billion state budget that the lawmakers passed, as they tend to do, late in session, without enough discussion, without enough care and attention to detail on this huge budget in which they filled a $3 billion gap, thanks in part to some uh, federal bailout money and to closing so-called corporate loopholes, et cetera. Uh, the governor ultimately agreed to spend $350 million more more money on, uh, on early school education, which he was committed to do. So it's a budget that had everybody slapping their backs and, and being quite happy, uh, self-satisfied with what they did. One little detail, though, they forgot to pay attention to uh, when some of these measures are supposed to take effect. And the bill, as written, would delay implementation uh, to um, June of 2022. So in other words, only until the last month of the fiscal year would some of these measures take effect. Uh, governor's staff apparently must have spotted this, and the governor has issued an amendatory veto and still needs a, a formal approval. This has Republicans jumping up and down, um, complaining about the process, which I think is a very valid complaint. You've got a $42 billion budget. Mistakes like this should not happen. And if mistakes like this happen, the question is, what other mistakes are buried in this bill? Uh, Senator Joe Barrickman of Bloomingdale uh, talked about this measure being, uh, you know, the, the amendatory veto and the shenanigans that are going to have to go on to get this fixed. Uh, 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 as being uh, the sort of thing even Mike Madigan wouldn't have pulled. No, I don't think, I think he's overstating it, but this is really an embarrassment for the Democratic leadership of the legislature, as well as the governor of Illinois. You know, it, it has to be noted that this was actually the original reason the amendatory veto was put in place, was to fix technical problems with the bill so that if there were some drafting error, uh, it could be corrected without having to scrap the bill and start all over again. Uh, so I guess credit where credit is due, Governor J.B. Pritzker actually using the amendatory veto for the purpose for which it was intended, uh, but no doubt about it. And you have a, a lot of uh, new folks in leadership and a lot of transition uh, in the General Assembly. But this is pretty basic stuff. Uh, the I's dotted, the T's crossed, making sure your uh, dates of enactment are accurate. Uh, and you're right. Had this uh, uh, not been caught, had this uh, bill been signed and gone through, it would have created some real chaos for the state. Uh, and it should never have come to that. But uh, again, when you have thousands of pages of dense budget legislation being dropped in lawmakers' laps uh, with uh, hours, in some cases, minutes to go before a vote, it is uh, very difficult to uh, to know for sure that you've got the details all taken care of, and clearly they did not in this case. It's full disclosure with David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. We're going to uh, give a little bit of a, a preview of uh, today's news coming up a little bit later on this morning. Governor J.B. Pritzker with a press event here in Springfield, where he is expected to sign legislation related to the Juneteenth holiday and soon to become an official state holiday here in Illinois. Well, absolutely. And uh, this is a, a reflection of the general sense of being more focused on the importance of black history in the state. Uh, one interesting twist of this whole thing is that Mayor Lightfoot kind of called a press conference yesterday to announce that Chicago is going to have a Juneteenth uh, uh, city holiday, uh, which he previously had resisted, saying that uh, 
she um, couldn't afford to give city workers the day off, uh, that that Juneteenth ought to be recognized, but it wouldn't be a city, an official city holiday. And apparently, Mayor Lightfoot's trying to get one step ahead of the governor and announce this holiday just before the governor does. So this is another sign of this odd relationship between those two. Uh, they just sometimes seem that they can't really act in harmony, and they try to one uh, kind of one-up each other. And this is one instance where Mayor Lightfoot is trying to just get ahead of Governor Pritzker before he signs a Juneteenth holiday declaration. The mayor also needs a little bit of better press herself after uh, a wild revelation, more of the emails that she sends to her staff. Uh, and Lori Lightfoot uh, is appearing more and more like a bosszilla in Chicago because uh, <laughs> it, it, it seems like it's got to be very, very difficult to work for the mayor. Well, absolutely. We've seen um, an unusual amount of turnover at the very top of the city administration. Uh, just in the last few weeks, the Mayor Lightfoot has lost her chief of staff, Maurice Clausen. She has lost the head of the Chicago uh, Public Schools. She has lost numerous department heads. Uh, and uh, it, it, it her, her main press uh, secretary, et cetera. And so um, it, there is an issue there. And this uh, memo that you're uh, email that you're referring to went to her scheduler saying, uh, I I need uh, I need time to myself repeatedly. Some people compared it to that scene in, in the movie The Shining where uh, Jack Nicholson is <laughs> All work saying, and no play uh, makes Jack, uh, Jack a exactly. no boy. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, the mayor, in, in her defense, has said, well, I was making a point, et cetera, but uh, uh, it was an embarrassment to her that this ma- that, that, that email came out. Uh, someday human resource professionals will use those emails as an example to bosses of how not to interact with their staff but uh, the mayor looking for a little bit of good press and uh, this has become a, a real movement now in the country even the u.s senate unanimously yesterday approving a juneteenth federal holiday we've had similar action here in the city of springfield and again today the governor with that bill signing in springfield you'll hear more about that later today here on wmay continuing on with full disclosure with the better government association one of the uh, the many great and informative things you'll find to their website is the PolitiFact Illinois Fact Check Service uh, and another recently posted fact check as it pertains to the uh, contentious battle over redistricting here in the state of Illinois and allegations that have flown back and forth. So, David, tell us what you found. Well, Governor Pritzker uh, went on uh, the public t- TV station WTTW and stated that um, he, uh, you know, he, he had promised as a candidate to not sign a uh, bill unless it was uh, produced by a com- an independent commission and uh, backtracked on that and went ahead and signed the uh, gerrymandered political map that the Democratic Party engineered uh, in the legislature this spring. And um, when asked about that, the governor said, well, I, I would have wanted a constitutional amendment that created a commission, and I would have liked to have seen uh, a law passed this spring to create a commission, uh, but I got no help from the Republicans. They didn't, they didn't do anything. Well, in fact, the Republicans did introduce two separate bills to create an independent commission, and those, of course, went nowhere because, after all, the Democrats have supermajority. And so um, uh, our PolitiFact reporter looked looked into this and declared that um, uh, Pritzker's statement was mostly false. Uh, the BGA does this just to really hold politicians accountable for what they say. Uh, We don't have any animus toward the governor. He's free to say what he wants, but he owes it to the people to be truthful when he speaks, especially on something as important as redistricting in the state of Illinois. That's why the uh, fact check service is so valuable at bettergov.org because it is keeping 
all politicians across the board, both parties, federal, state, local level, keeping them honest and uh, making sure uh, that what they're telling you is indeed factual. Uh, you'll also find there an interesting update on something that, David, I'll admit, I thought was resolved long ago. Clearly, it is not. We all remember the notorious Cabrini Green housing project in Chicago. It was one of the worst in the nation uh, and ultimately closed down and torn down. But uh, as it turns out, years later, uh, there's still a long way to go to actually make something out of uh, that uh, that former uh, hazard in the city of Chicago. Well, right. It was closed down and torn down to the benefit of developers who got uh, support in the form of tax increment financing. Uh, in other words, they don't have to pay increased taxes for a number of years while the property values of the property that they uh, got as part of this redevelopment increased significantly. And last year, the legislature actually extended uh, this uh, tax increment financing district uh, really in some of the most valuable real estate in the city of Chicago for another uh, 13 years. And uh, this happens at a time when Mayor Lightfoot is complaining about her inability to balance her budget, et cetera. Um, and this is the first of a series of stories that we plan to publish that's looking into the question of who's getting rich off of the uh, Cabrini Green redevelopment and why, in fact, do they have enough clout to extend this tax increment financing district, which will end up creating about $600 million more in property tax breaks for developers uh, over the next 13 years. It's a great read. Uh, we have ongoing debates here in Springfield about tax increment financing districts as well. Uh, and so these are valuable discussions, not just as they pertain to Chicago, but for the entire state. David Grising, we are out of time for this morning. We'll do it again next week. In the meantime, how do people reach you and the Better Government Association? Uh, I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org, D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org, and our website is bettergov.org. And, of course, here each Wednesday morning, full disclosure on the WMAY Morning News Feed. David, as always, thank you for your time. We'll talk soon. Thank you, Jim. Talk next week.